0: This podcast represents my opinion and the opinion of my guests. This is not medical advice and I am not establishing a patient-physician relationship with any listener. The content here should not be taken as medical advice. The content here is for informational purposes only and because each patient is so unique, please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions you may have.
1: and welcome back everyone to another episode of the Not Your Doc podcast. I'm your host Vanessa and once again we're still on baby watch so I am not with Seth and Dr. Tadros in the Midwest Hearts and Minds Studios but I wanted to pop in and say hey and introduce the second part of the discussion with general surgeon Dr. Michael Smith. This week's topic is on that ever problematic vestigial organ we're all carrying around and that's the appendix. There are 250,000 cases of appendicitis annually in the U.S., and almost all of them require surgery. 10% of Americans will get appendicitis, and it tends to occur in two peak populations, as the doctors will go on to discuss. The majority of cases occur in the young, between 10 and 20 years old, and then the next peak is in older folks, ages 16 up. I had appendicitis myself at 18 years old, and several of my friends did around then as well. So this certainly tracks with my experience. It seems you either got your wisdom teeth taken out surgically or your appendix in high school, and that's pretty much how it happened. So now I'll kick it back to Mr. Not Your Doc himself and Dr. Smith. Take it away, Dr. Tadros.
0: This is Chuck Tadros. We're back again with Dr. Michael Smith. Uh, Dr. Smith, uh, general surgeon, recently retired, Uh, was in private practice 1991 till December of 2021 has been a general surgeon uh, up in Iowa and here in uh, St. Louis, Missouri, has had extensive experience, uh, 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 not just general surgery, but also cancer committees and critical care committees and infection control committees, et cetera. It goes on and on. He's got uh, yards, wads, and gobs. That's a term my old physics uh, teacher used to say, yards, wads, and gobs of experience. uh, uh, But he's a great guy and a great general surgeon. Welcome back, Mike. Well, thank you, Chuck. It's nice uh, to be here. Uh, we're going to be talking about appendix and appendicitis. Uh, of course, we were all taught the appendix was a vestigial organ. But uh, tell me, let's start at the beginning because, you know, let's, uh, I, we have probably a broad range of people who are listening with backgrounds, a variety of backgrounds. Can you tell me just about why we have an appendix and appendix and maybe other animals and what's the purpose of the appendix? And
2: Well, that's a good question. I don't think anybody's really nailed down exactly what it does. Sure. Um, I remember reading something a long time ago that they thought it may have been some vestigial organ helped to when when we were more animal like that we would eat meat off the bone and have bones fragments that it would I help to dissolve the bones. But there's been no actual function. Of well, the appendix that we know of in the modern day.
0: Well, more, more recently, it's a good point. It's not 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 anatomical the way that you're thinking, but more because I'm an intern is by training. Vestigial, uh, it's vestigial. Yeah, more uh, is that is that we now know that it seems to house. Bacteria. So whenever we wipe out a bacteria with antibiotics, uh, we get uh, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, or uh, or, uh, or we get um, actually whenever we wipe it out for for C diff, uh, when we treat it, that it, we can repopulate. It, it seems to c- come from the from something like the appendix. It seems like well, you could repopulate the colon, but more easily. That's one of those day. things.
2: It's very hard to try and diagnose or yeah. make that yeah. association because while people get colonoscopies and you can see the appendiceal orifice, yes, the rule is you don't put something inside there because you may perforate it. Right, yep. And so okay. that's why people don't do that. Now, right. um, having said that, there is a large, like you said, a large number of people who think that that's where a lot of this stuff as far as bowel repopulation occurs, yeah, yeah. and that's where some of the oral agents that you can give mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because their liquid will go into the appendix and help to repopulate more quickly and stuff like that. Um, it's also, I read a couple of things a long time ago that talked about there's still a fairly high clostridial count. In the appendix and that may be where c difficile also has origins
0: no yeah, interesting i had not seen so that one.
2: yeah that that and higher higher than if you will normal anaerobics mm-hmm, mm-hmm, along mm-hmm. with diverticulosis mm-hmm. could lead to some of those things like that or toxic colitis and things like that yeah but the appendix i guess is one of those things that most people are familiar with appendicitis. Yeah, that's, right. that's how we hear about it. 10 to 15% of the population, I think, over the course of a lifetime. Is it have. that high? So, yeah. Wow, I, mean, we I see, did not know. We see that there's a, a peak probably in the teens to yes. mid-teens to uh, that age. And then we start to see that there's a secondary peak starting in the 60s. Uh, yes. Uh, on up, that it's just one of those gradual climbs. It's not as... Doesn't reach the peak of ten to fifteen percent like it does with With younger, Um, but it's one of those things that uh, now, especially with the advent of laparoscopic, it's it's one of those things could be literally can be removed in fifteen minutes Mm. uh, with uh, oftentimes just two incisions.
0: So, the, first of all, it's it's the size, it's the size, what it's about, it's about... Most inch, of them are it,
2: about the length of your little finger and maybe about two-thirds the diameter of your little finger.
0: So it's kind of a pencil-like, uh, kind of a, a right. pencil-like structure that sticks out at the beginning where it's actually, it's the beginning of the colon. People think the colon starts at the at the rectum, but it's at the beginning of the colon where That's it starts, thing. where where the small intestine attaches in the right lower belly. So if you're standing up and you bring up your right be- uh, arm to your pelvis, it's usually where it's yeah. housed. It's just, just about...
2: Maybe two to three inches yep. inside where your hip bone is on the front. Yep, and on the right uh, side,
0: right side, very, very low inside the pelvis. Kind of the, we all abdominal structure, but it's really practically in the right pelvis. Uh, well, it? the other thing that's
2: interesting about that mm-hmm. is, while sometimes we have what's the as a, as the embryo grows into a, a fetus and into adulthood, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the appendix is just a long hose <clears throat> from the mouth to the anus. That's right. And so, it's interesting if you look, though, that even in patients, as you, as you develop, your bowel will rotate and turn in different directions, mm-hmm. so that normally, instead normally of it being a one long line, is right. now kind of a, a folded loop on itself from the right lower quadrant goes up under your ribs from the right to the left, and then down, Mm -hmm. and then the sigmoid colon. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Even in people who've had malrotations who haven't Mm -hmm. had their bowel rotate, Mm -hmm. they tend to get right lower quadrant pain. Mm -hmm. Interesting. I mean, it's Mm -hmm. like, how does that happen if the appendix is over here on the left side? So it's kind of one of those uh, interesting facts of why does that happen.
0: So uh, what what Michael's describing with malrotation uh, uh, is, is that is that we have certain things as you as, as a fetus as uh, when a fetus is growing an uh, embry- embry- embryologically as an embryo and then a fetus certain things actually move into their final position before the baby's is born, uh, well before the baby's born. And some people, the right lower belly, right lower quadrant of their uh, belly where the appendix should live, is actually the the intestines did not move in the right direction and it was and the appendix is in the left lower quadrant. It's called situs inversus. Uh, and it could be incomplete and, uh, or complete it could be in your heart in your lungs in your heart it could be a bunch of different places in your body but this is where michael is uh, talking about but you still have the pain in the right and lower quite where your right lower belly where you're supposed to have it uh, and so probably because the vessels are probably uh, are still uh, based out of uh, the right, uh, right lower from the belly anatomical right vasculature yep so that's uh, so it's <laughs> very interesting um, so, uh, but there's another there's another structure that's like an appendix that's in a two percent of the population. Meckel's diverticulum. Yeah, Meckel's diverticulum. Can you tell me about that? Because sometimes it's mistaken, well, we miss it, or sometimes it's mistaken for appendicitis.
2: That that if you if you study anatomy across different animals, you'll see like chickens or an egg, mm-hmm. the yolk sac mm-hmm. is basically the equivalent of where the umbilicus would be. Ah, okay? yes, and in. That part of the structure is where, I guess you would say, the upper portion of the intestines meets the lower portion mm-hmm. of the intestines. Mm-hmm. And it, for some reason, some of them are actually even attached at the umbilical level. Yes, yes. And I mean, it used to be thought that as the, bowel, as the body grew, right. the attachment would pull out and would cause an invagination in that area in right. some people. Because you find a little cord, little lig- on a ligament, little ligament, ligament, yeah. yeah. The, and but there's not, there's no scientific basis for that type of thing, but it just occurs, and it's you. It's felt that it's at the the foregut meets the hind, hind gut. gut.
0: And it's a two it's percent rule, right? Two percent of the population, two, two inches long, two feet from the uh, uh, iliocecal c- valve, right. So, so two percent of the population gets uh, this this uh, meckel's doesn't mean it's infected doesn't mean that it ever causes problems. Two inches long, which is a, almost about as long as the appendix is, and about two two, uh, two feet from the oesophageal valve, which is where the ileum, the small intestine, fi- finishes in the right lower belly, and then uh, uh, and and it's uh, it's two feet from uh, the the uh, right lower belly back up into the, uh, to the, into the uh, to, uh, towards that, um, and that sometimes can get infected and also can well, cause problems.
2: It, it can sometimes have the lining. Of like your stomach in there, gastric, gastric mucosa, mucosa. I did it not know that. acid, yeah. and that acid, that part of the bowel is not used to being right. in that Spor- acid exposed. environment, mm-hmm. and it will actually cause a perforation. perforation. Oh, okay, that's how we. So that's get how into we trouble. see perforated my, Meckel's diverticulum. Ah. Others right. are because I mean I've seen a couple that were six or eight inches long, much longer, right? And that becomes like a blind a blind Ouch. loop, right? And if if we do bowel surgery, we don't want to have. Extra hanging out beyond the, yeah. how should I say, a, a right. little cove on that river of, right. if you understand what I'm saying, yeah. So or yes. backwater, however you want to look right. at it, from a, a lake perspective or mm-hmm. river, so because bacteria be a, can, bacteria can be housed there and fester exactly, yeah, and that's right. like we talked about earlier. The appendix I right. has right. carries that usually that part of the bowel is sterile and so it doesn't have infection, so right. that can become infected from that if there's gastric. Acid being released in there, mm-hmm. it can perforate and
0: allow the entire
2: contents of the small bowel to leak out
0: because it'll gotcha. be the lowest lowest pressure. Why do people get if if appendicitis? Not everybody gets appendicitis. Why do well, people get appendicitis? What's the theory? Most theories? people think
2: that if you look. Probably about seventy percent of patients will be found to have what's called a fecal, lift, uh, fecal which is f- yeah a, fecal stone, stone, stone. Right, it's where the, the the liquid stool gets in the appendix, and since it's a blind pouch, right. it'll start to absorb water from that, uh-huh. and eventually that stone gets big enough that it's too big to get back out. Right through I that, gotcha. and uh, it, it's just very hard. I guess you'd say like constipated stool, that it it blocks the opening. And once it blocks the opening, it has no way to let the mucosa, the mucus that's secreted from the lining of it out. And eventually the pressure starts building up to where. And that's why occasionally you'll see, especially in younger children, you'll see that they'll start having these symptoms of right lower quadrant pain. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It comes on, they start getting sick. They may even get febrile. Mm -hmm. And about the time you take them to the hospital, Oh, it's all Everything, gone. Everything's and, better. And their white count is at the upper limits of normal. It hasn't gotten to where that's... Bad uh, enough. Yeah,
0: they don't have a fever yet. And two months later, they're having the same thing. Another problem. that same repeat. So... the. Um- so uh, so fecolith, so it's kind of a blind area that gets impacted by by stool that becomes hardened, and then behind the stool, uh, behind the, the little balled up stool, is you get bacteria, you get pus. What, what's micro perforation? What's a full perf- What's what's the well, definition of micro perforation? What and what? How does think, it cause pain? How does all this think stuff about cause pain? A,
2: a micro perforation is like. Taking a balloon mm-hmm. that you haven't blown up and sticking a needle hole in it, mm-hmm. and you blow it up, and you see that it'll just kind of slowly. You can inflate it, but it uh, but there's a it leak. It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't pop. Yeah, it doesn't okay. pop. There's, Whereas if I over-inflate it rapidly, it'll mm-hmm. it eventually will pop mm-hmm. if I don't mm-hmm. quit letting the pressure off. Mm-hmm. So what happens is is that. The pressure inside gets higher than the venous return pressure, so wow. the blood can't return from the lining of the intestine or the appendix. And the arterial pressure keeps pumping it in there, and it just keeps getting more and more pressure to where it basically creates a situation where there's no blood flow. Mm. The lining starts to die, and then it starts to affect through the wall. And that's why, from the onset to major symptoms, it takes about 24 hours
0: for that process to occur mm-hmm. to where they're at a risk for rupture to 20, 24 hours. Okay. Yeah, so the arterial pressure down there probably is like 120, 140 yeah. millimeters of mercury. The venous pressure is probably 40 millimeters of mercury or probably less, mm, probably, I would say yeah. low teens. Yeah, so very low. And so it doesn't take too CVP, much. I mean. It's- right. So. It, does, so it doesn't take too much swelling, uh, arterial arterial pressure going in, without the venous pressure being able to take the blood flow out. Uh, that 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 eventually the the, the the and these appendices can become quite big. Is that right? Well, quite swollen. Once
2: they once they get yeah, I mean the normal appendix is uh, right maybe McDonald's straw type diameter. Right. Yeah. Whereas an acutely inflamed appendix can be as big as your index finger or even your thumb. thumb. Yeah. And we've seen some that have been an inch and a half long, we've seen some that are eight or ten inches long. Yeah, that's so, ama- yeah, it's amazing. Uh, yeah. It's amazing the differences in length. Right. And you'd think those that have longer appendixes, especially if they fold on themselves right. and things, that they may be more likely, but that's, that's not obviously. necessarily the
0: case. So so parents youngster, uh, of youngsters, does, does it happen in the middle of the night? Does it happen during the day? Does it happen well, after somebody gets hit in the I th- belly? What happens? I that- usually,
2: I, There's not really much of an incidence, at least that I recall, of trauma right. and causing appendicitis. Right. So I think that a lot of them, again, is, it's the types of things that they eat and things like that. Mm-hmm. And I think in children, obviously, Everything's smaller in children, so mm-hmm. it can be where right. where we talk about six millimeter, seven millimeter diameter in an mm-hmm. adult, that could be two or three millimeter. Yeah, and if they get, mm-hmm. that's where the old term typhalitis, because that was like an inflammatory response to the mucosa, mm-hmm. and it, it, it basically obliterates the li- inner uh, lumen, lumen. Yeah, and hole, it yeah. becomes thicker at the muscular portion where the appendix attaches to the colon Mm -hmm, and that's mm -hmm. what they used to call typhalitis a lot of kids who would get appendicitis excuse me appendicitis but it would be like a a missed appendix or Mm -hmm, they mm -hmm. got better on its own and Mm -hmm. two months later they had the same thing and it keeps going back and forth and finally they take them to the pediatric surgeon. oh let's just take this thing out and it'll be done with
0: right uh, there's a, Is there a role for an, uh, antibiotics uh, instead of surgery for young, uh, especially young you nobody wants to put a kid under under for anesthesia obviously well, but is there a role for antibiotics I, and is there a role for uh, ultrasound uh, to, to get to well, take a look at these?
2: Uh, I think ultrasound is something that's being used a lot more in children, yes, and kind of like we baby, talked about yeah, with right. some of the gallbladder and stuff they're more there's not as big a use in pediatric uh, emergency rooms, but if you go to like mercy. -hmm. Or any of the Mercy hospitals, Mm -hmm. you'll see that they have not only adult; they have pediatric staff there, Mm -hmm, and so the mm -hmm. equipment is there. So people are using it to try and look at that. Because we avoid radiation of CAT scans, it's it's quicker. uh, uh, We used to. I mean, in in my training the the basic thing was it took a long time to get somebody to cat scan yes it took a long time to get the cat scan yep and if it was after five thirty or 6 it wouldn't be read till the next day mm-hmm. so what's the purpose of getting a scan right if clinically and so we used to operate basically right if it looks like a duck and quacks like a duck it's a duck until proven otherwise and
0: in a seven-year-old kid there's no reason yeah, so, to take it out. So that's an important – I had forgotten about that. The, the old-fashioned, if you if, 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 if you, you probably should operate on about 20 – in the old days, you probably had to operate about, on about 20% normal appendix uh, to make sure you didn't miss – there's this, this is interesting statistical issue uh, that, that – Well, that was in,
2: always the gold right. standard is before all the testing in the even into the late 80s, that was where – If you thought it was appendicitis, you're better to take it out and be done with it because Mm -hmm. once, two things. Number one, if they've been sick for 12 to 24 hours, the likelihood of going on to rupture before the crow calls is quite high. If it's it's beyond that and you've already got the day started, you're either Mm -hmm. going to have to bump cases or do something to get into the operating room. So if you see it, do it and... So you keep the schedule going. So the concept, uh, concept. here,
0: I want to tell our, our,
2: our audience. The, the goal concept. is to do it without rupture. Right. And those patients recover quickly. Right. It's they easier. have very few, right. need any antibiotics after, I mean, right. a lot of times we wouldn't even give a post-op dose mm-hmm. in the younger kids because you can create a, a colitis from yep. that.
0: So, so in the old days before we had imaging, rapid imaging or you know, CAT scans, is the stand, uh, became the standard eventually uh, uh, for years. Uh, but is that you clinically? These people would have uh, tenderness and McBurney's point. The classic would be fevers, right. loss of appetite, tenderness in the right lower quadrant in the special and rebound, uh, direct tenderness and, and rebound and rebound tenderness. We could come Plus, back and talk about that. They would walk they with would, a limp. They would they would protect because their because right, when they straighten right, their leg out the. The, the piriformis, right. This, the, the hip the flexors. psoas. The pir- or, right. The psoas. The psoas, not piriformis, psoas. You're right. The psoas muscle. So it, it, That's right. it rubs on it. I, for, and so you I, get I back forgot pain, about it. It
2: radiates saying. back up. Towards your
0: ribs. So the psoas muscle, part of the iliopsoas complex, was part of the uh, part of the hip flexors. So these people would kind of stay in and in and in, in, they would lay on their side and they would bring their knees up to their chest because they couldn't stretch out their hip. The because, extensors actually. Uh, yeah, uh, hip extensors. It, it right, stretch right. the muscle. And Bingo, thank you, you, thank you. Uh, so uh, so it, it hurt like the Dickens. So they had a certain body position and they would hold still. They couldn't rock back, unlike a kidney stone person or gallbladder where they'd rock back and forth and okay. try to pace. These people would hold perfectly still because they had so they had a kind of a classic set and one of the biggest things whenever I was a young, uh, young resident stuff it was that they lost their appetite some people lose their appetite right, that's very the first very early thing usually. the very first thing so they' lose their appetite so you weren't sure if they had you know if they had a virus or anything because there'd be a kid they had some they'd lose their appetite they have some belly pain and the belly pain sometimes would be generalized around the belly button but then it eventually would localize to the right lower belly and that's when it was like oh we thought it was, it was a bug or something they ate now it was like you no know, now it looks like appendicitis
2: that's why they frequently come in after dark right I mean, Right midnight because right they've been they couldn't get to sleep because it hurt too much and right. every time they rolled over they were crying and yep it's like ten o'clock and, oh, we got to go to the emergency room because we don't know
0: yes. Yeah, and this, and people would delay, delay, delay because you know they, nobody wants to haul their kid in and people are at work, their parents are at work and stuff like that. And so back then, you would, whenever you would operate on these people with all these classic uh, uh, signs, 20% of them would turn out not to have appendicitis. And this was acceptable and it was actually a gold standard because we don't want to miss an appendix that's infected or inflamed or about to rupture. So you end up, because we didn't have imaging, we didn't have a way to, to ferret out these people. Plus the risk of complications. Complications, right. It was always big. peritonitis. Yeah, abscesses because you'd have to operations. leave operations right, and you'd have to leave it open. To, to, to in the old days, we would leave uh, the, the wound uh, open, wound open uh, because of the the pus, uh, whenever it pussed out. So, very uh, big, and eventually, we were able to get it down to how much now we're pretty good with the, with the CAT scans uh, with the adults. Yeah, between and stuff like that? CAT scan, and I mean, exactly. I would tell you that
2: from my standpoint. Um, History and physical. It's, then it's one of those things that by the time we're called, right? The CAT scans, the blood tests, everything's been the done. Consents are signed, and and uh, as we just come in and mm-hmm. practically do the surgery, all right? Uh, before, I mean, you know, you'd have to you look through all these types of things. You make sure, right? Uh, and again, you know, we tend to see, in a, especially in the younger children, some of the some of the different people who have either uh, birth defects mm-hmm. or uh, I guess you'd say mentally slow. Yes, yes. Uh-huh. Those are people yeah. you have to really take time because they may not be able to tell you things right. or communicate with you to right. where. So it really becomes a thing of judgment and saying, right. here's what it is. And I would tell you that when we operate on those patients and there's appendicitis, they're they're like Ironmen after that. They're, they're, their pain is minimal. Right. They're like your best buddy. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Because it's just got rid of that yeah. thing that they may not be able to communicate it with you. Right. Yes.
0: Yeah. Um, antibiotics, instead of surgery for kids, I know they've done, um, they've done talked about it for many years now. And, I, and I, as, I
2: think that's one of those things that part of it is there may be some room for that, okay. but the issue is medical legally, right. if you think they've got appendicitis and you don't operate, mm-hmm. it's considered below the standard of care. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, from my standpoint, Yep. You're better to operate yep. and not have that standard of care issue because mm-hmm. we can talk to her blue in the face about that. What it somebody, have, right. and they're
0: always going to decide for right. the plaintiff in the medical malpractice. Sure, yeah. So and if it comes to something as straightforward as, straight, as uh, if you could diagnose it but you didn't act, uh, with s- well, surgery. we didn't seek them out right. to tell them they need to come in at midnight to have their appendix out. Right.
2: You know what right. I'm saying? Of so it, it protects you from that issue. More than anything. And
0: the complication rates in young people, especially, are, right. are quite minimal. Without perforation, and, uh, and certainly ob- obesity makes it harder. All these surgeries, uh, hernias, uh, gallbladders, appendix, all these things, are, obesity makes it harder in terms of reaching the area of, of importance and, uh, and sometimes healing, dehiscing of wounds, and stuff like that. Well, and I would tell you,
2: probably from a pediatric surgery standpoint, mm-hmm. Aside from the academics, where they have pediatricians and pediatric surgery on
0: call all, all the time, we yeah, right.
2: we're the default. General surgery is the default right. for yeah. after five o'clock and before eight o'clock in the morning. <laughs> so we always wind up getting those. <laughs> yeah, sure. And no job too big, no job too small. Too small. So F-
0: fifteen. You say fifteen minutes uh, for laparoscope? Lap- lap- with a laparoscope, yeah, and, with a laparoscope I mean, if it's not perforated, no adhesion. In a child, I would probably not even do. Because most of them are yep.
2: not obese. Right. And you can make an, literally a, th- a three-quarter inch yep. incision, and it's right there. Yep. You can see it. You can you get one finger through that.
0: Get one finger in
2: there to pr- bring we it out. An instrument out. You yep. bring it out, and you tell it immediately that it's appendicitis. You take everything down. Right. And you got a, a three-quarter inch incision for an appendix. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the with that little amount, there's less uncomfortable than you were before surgery. So yep. Tylenol again. Yep. And if, if there's rupture or something, you, you can still irrigate them out. Right. You can either, even right. use that incision to put a laparoscope in there with right. a double-lumen double laparoscope so you can irrigate and evacuate
0: mm-hmm. if you think there's pus or things like that. So That's it's right. quite easily done. Good. Gotcha. Um, uh, the, as far as you know, nothing, nothing, no, uh, nothing else. Uh, and these people, nothing else seems to trigger these things other than the fecal ester that you said seventy percent. Nothing right. else correlates it. No, well, plus, sometimes I've in, heard. Go ahead, please. Well, in children,
2: probably not a whole lot of other things unless right. there's some kind of birth defect or things like that. But yeah.
0: Um, Tumors are very unusual, but they do I have occur. Seen, yeah, unfortunately, I've, ha- I've had a couple of appendiceal uh, uh, carcinomas, and it's a, it's a, it's a, well, one of them. I, I mean, so please talk about it, because usually incidental, incidental finding saves their life. Uh, well,
2: there's two two forms of things that we see. Number one is appendiceal carcinoid, which right. is a secreting tumor, which, is, which uh, you can which, see. So carcinoid is different than carcinoma for the rest of the people, so please go ahead. Well, a carcinoid tumor is a tumor that secretes hormones and things like that. that can Neuroendocrine cause, tumor. Uh-huh. Uh, different types of symptoms depending upon what it's uh, uh, causing. Secreting, right? Most of them tend to be towards the tip of the appendix. So the end, the tip of the end of the appendix. Not right. close up to the where the colon is. All right. And at least if we look at them and we find that there's a carcinoid mm-hmm. that is less than a centimeter in diameter mm-hmm, yeah, and mm-hmm. greater than two centimeters from the base of the cecum mm-hmm. unless you feel nodes or see node mm-hmm. something that's mm-hmm. more worrisome mm-hmm. That should be a curative operation, right. if that's all there is. Now, mm-hmm. you will need to do other testing and stuff to look at that, nuclear medicine scans,
0: right. colonoscopy if they haven't had one. Just to let people know, whenever you hear carcinoid, carcinoma, so adenocarcinoma, or carcinomas is just a genetic word for lung, for cancers, but carcinoid is a very specific type of cancer. Um, uh, that's, that's, that's not the typical stuff that you hear very about slow whenever. growing Yeah, very slow-growing. They secrete hormones and different types, like uh, Dr. Smith says. And they can do everything from rashes to diarrhea to 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 sweats, hypertension, hypertension all sorts of different things, palpitations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, yes. Failure. Yep. Uh, so there's a range of stuff, and so it's an it's a very special type, and it happens to happen. It happens uh, to occur. It can occur anywhere in the body, but typically within GI tract, uh, uh, and uh, and it happens to be hidden in the. In, you couldn't usually find it on on colonoscopy, uh, if you happen to ha- have a colonoscopy, even if they look over the uh, opening you of the appendix. See. Unless uh, it's right. I mean, right, unless you see it coming out of the right. orifice, you don't. You don't see it, and the only way that we get it. Do it is accidentally or incidentally whenever we do append- appendix uh, surgeries and they'll find it. The pathologist or the, uh, the surgeon or the pathologist will cut it open and see it and then call uh, call the docs and then it's a whole different uh, set of problems. Uh, and then then adenocarcinoma is the other thing that will happen well, you in there. Can't see good?
2: adenocarcinoma yeah. just because of colonic right. is the right. same. The, the classic so it's, it's colon cancer less. I mean, right. most of them, the question becomes, is this a sequel cancer right. or is this appendiceal? Oh, yeah. And so that's why a lot of times you'll, because the operation for adenocarcinoma, right. even if it's just to the appendix, is a formal uh, colon, colon operation rite, rite for colon cancer, ectomy, yeah. which is a formal col- right colectomy with the lymph node and all that kind right. of stuff.
0: The, uh, so what what people don't realize is that even though the, the the cecum, which is what the appendix is attached to, the cecum is the beginning of the colon, uh, the appendix is attached to that,' the, it's, it's actually the blood supply and the drain, lymphatic drainage that determines Correct. the the prognosis. And so people, uh, even though they're 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 literally two inches apart from each other. Uh, you know, inch and a half apart. There's a big difference in terms of prognosis whenever it comes to well, colon type adenocarcinoma, or colon cancer, or appendiceal cancer. Yeah. Well, with
2: any can with any carcinoma, whether it's lung or whatever, right. you need the lymph nodes to know right. is it in a more advanced stage. Does right. it need chemotherapy? Right. Are we Adjuvants and all getting stuff, right. into radiation and right. stuff like that for that kind of things? Right. Uh, specialized chemotherapy treatments, depending mm-hmm. upon the, right. the plurality of the tumors and stuff like that. Uh, I guess biological treatments. Biologicals now, now start, yes, yeah, starting to be a, a big thing as well. Right. that's correct. So,
0: so uh, uh, and typically for 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 one uh, to go back to school, one to go back to work, what about lifting, well, sex, all that stuff like I that? I think
2: I think from an adult standpoint, again, you could be talking if it's not ruptured and you don't have other mm-hmm. abscesses or things like that, that you can be back to work within two weeks or so mm-hmm. if you're in a non-lifting capacity or you're somebody right. who works on a telephone right. if you are right, computer, the, only, right. the biggest thing is driving so if you get in a situation where you have to slam on the brakes and you can't because of the discomfort right but you could be even a work from home thing two right. days afterwards if you're right. feeling up to it right um and i think i guess that's Mm-hmm. What they used to say, the pediatricians or pediatric surgeons would say, that's the most enjoyable operation to mm-hmm. do in the entire mm-hmm. world because you can take a, a kid that's two years old mm-hmm. and take his appendix out and he'll live to 90 years old. That's right. And you've cured him. That's right. That's the one thing that you can never say have appendicitis again. Cure. Cure right. and Cure Cure, an cure, ad- cure <laughs> is what they used to call it, Dr. <laughs>
0: Raffensberger at Children's Hospital that's in funny. Chicago. That's funny. Well, super. Well, this is excellent. Thank you. Thanks, Michael. This is very common. This is a very common problem. A lot of people worry whenever they have belly discomforts or nausea or anything. It's like, is it more serious than just a passing bug? And uh, this is certainly one of the things that does require uh, uh, people to show up and to emergency rooms typically.
2: It's something that's very simple. Mm -hmm. And it's something if you procrastinate, Mm -hmm. becomes very complicated Mm -hmm. and can result in multiple operations potentially Mm -hmm. even total disability and stuff like that if you don't Get
0: after. It. So, and I'll just review because Vanessa does a better job than I do, but for review, so for appendicitis, typically uh, lack of appetite, loss of appetite. Uh, the idea is if I put your favorite food in front of you, would you would you, would you, you want, it's like, well, I'm not hungry right now. Well, if I put, put your favorite food, would yeah. you want it? No, I don't want it. Then then that's a loss of appetite as opposed to oh, I'm not hungry because I just ate. Uh, fever, and uh, fever is right. defined typically as, what is it, 100.5 orally or what is it? Right around. Yeah. I mean, most people are less than 100. Mm-hmm. So most I mean, of the, it's our, base, a, our baseline, typically, whenever we're, we're not six less than 100 degrees uh, Fahrenheit orally, uh-huh.
2: and I mean just the general malaise, mm-hmm. uh, Typical just, symptoms of right lower quadrant pain. Yep, is, if it's, at, keep, I mean, it could be a kidney stone. We didn't really talk about that's right. that. That's correct. But uh, most of those people, the pain is a totally different type of pain. Yes, it is, and they can't. They cannot not lay down. They yes, want right. to move. They, they, got the the they don't
0: want to move. Right. So these people uh, sometimes uh, some generalized p- belly pain, but it finally focuses down to the right lower belly. Where, like I said, whenever you're standing up, you bring your right hand up to your to your to your hip, your pelvis, and you go across uh, to uh, towards your uh, and that's where kind of where it'll get you. Um, and uh, these uh, people will want to hold still. They'll, they'll they'll feel terrible. So if they hold still typically bent over or kind of kind of balled up in a fetal position they'll tend to feel better a little bit better because the peritoneum is inflamed the lining of their abdomen is inflamed and so as long as they, they don't move it whereas opposed to kidney stones and gallbladder attacks and have and, 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 and having babies those are colicky, crampy things where you want to move around and squirm and, and pace and stuff like that so yeah so these people are that's the time to haul them in so people like <laughs> people like Michael Michael and can take care of them Oh, super. Thanks, Michael. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you. Have, you yeah, I it's appreciate it. Thanks for, thanks for donating your time and talking to our audience. We're out.
1: Hey, y'all. It's Vanessa again. If you would like to get involved with the podcast, we would love your feedback to our email address at notyourdocpod at gmail.com. As always, you can check us out on Spotify or YouTube. And our website, notyourdoc.com, is up and running with links to all episodes in Dr. Tadros' original Not Your Doc blog. We'll catch you next time.
0: This previous podcast represents my opinions and the opinions of my guests. This is not medical advice and I'm not establishing a physician-patient relationship with any listener. The content here should not be taken as medical advice. The content here is for informational purposes only. And because each patient is so unique, please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions that you may have.